This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. Great to have you with us. I'm Helen Farmer. This is the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. We were broadcasting live from Gulf Food at Dubai World Trade Center, stealing away some incredible chefs from the top table demonstrations talking about food from all around the world and the future of it as well. What can chefs, what can diners do to make this industry more sustainable? And ahead of a couple of brilliant events, how do chefs collaborate in the kitchen? All of that and more. You're listening to Afternoons with Helen Farmer, live at Gulf Food Manufacturing. Thousands of exhibitors and unlimited business opportunities all under one roof. And some incredible chefs too. We're right next to Top Table where some leading local and international chefs are coming along for demonstrations, education sessions and joined right now by one of those chefs. So delighted to be in conversation now with a man who has travelled the world and is here in Dubai. Chef Kim from French Riviera Beach of Jumeirah Al Alcasa. We're also going to be chatting next with uh, Chef Louis Han from Naom. They're going to be having a very special forehand experience and getting a little bit of insight now with Chef Kim, who has said, never serve a dish that you would not be happy to serve your family. How are you, Chef? Hello, Helen. It's so lovely to have you with us, and I'm really fascinated by your culture, your heritage. Tell us a little bit about, I guess, all of your influences, Chef. I got influenced by my mom, my grandma, of course, and also through all the journey I had throughout the world, whether it was in Las Vegas with Mr. Aubuchon, in uh, Singapore also, which was uh, very eye-opening, and here in Dubai also, of course. Now, you are, you've got Korean blood, but um, adopted by an Australian-French family. Tell us, tell, us a, tell us a little bit about, I mean, I can't even imagine some of the incredible influences you must have had um, from growing up in the southwest and then, and then also some time in the southeast of France. Who was cooking in your family, chef? My mum was. Tell us what she was making. Um, actually, she used to buy all the, you know, in France, you go in the supermarket and then you have all the, all the magazines with all the recipes. And uh, not only she had her own recipes from Australia and all this, but also she took um, um, ideas from those ones. And then uh, as time went by, I started to take those recipes and change them my way. So How, how old were you when you started doing this? Uh, actually, my first cake, I think, was at uh, 10 something. Yeah. It's, I think often a big, a big influence can be where you grew up because it's the access you have to seasonal produce. It's, it's the restaurants that you might be taken to. It's the, you know, even going to a friend's house for dinner. And I think about this a lot with my children growing up in Dubai, you know, one day they'll be at an Italian family's house. They, you know, have Indian friends for dinner. You know, it's, and, and and so it goes on. I think that environment can be so formative. What was it like growing up um, in the south of France? What did it teach you about your foodie philosophy? The food philosophy that I was taught is very simple. We had a garden. We had fruits. We had vegetables, and all the neighbors also had the same. So, it was uh, growing up in a very healthy environment. Uh, we could see the the Pyrenees. You're not far from the ocean, also, and you can pick your own fruits and vegetables. So. Bliss, absolute bliss. Tell us. You mentioned his name, there, Rupchon. Tell us a little bit about what you learned from a legendary mentor. Uh, what did I learn from Mr. Rupchon? Is uh, consistency. Um, never be satisfied with uh, with one's work and always trying to push the boundaries mm -hmm. and um, yeah that's most of and you're bringing so much of your upbringing to French Riviera as the name suggests for anyone that hasn't been can you tell us a little bit about your outlook there what people can expect when they walk through the doors and of course the menu is welcome so French Riviera we open it uh, right after Covid it's a French Mediterranean restaurant which takes a little bit of uh, influence also from Portugal, Italy, of course. Um, but it's also based on some memories. Some, uh, for example, the one uh, dish that's uh, very keen for me is the, the bouillabaisse. This is what you've been demonstrating today at Top yes, Table. Yes, I will. Okay, give us a quick little insight into a really good bouillabaisse. I won't describe the dish. I will just say what's the, the memory of it. Is uh, being uh, little, I used to go to my grandma and niece, so that's really on the French Riviera. And then she used to bring me to a Bouillabaisse restaurant right on the pier. And unfortunately, at that time, I did not like fish. 
So that's uh, <laughs> didn't what appreciate some of the best mm, in the world. No, not at all. <laughs> it was uh, quite a very, very great experience because it was with my grandma. Mm -hmm. um, so what did I do here in French Riviera? I recreated this dish to be up to what I like. So that's the, the surprise that you'll see later on. Oh, okay. I'm, I am intrigued. Tell us a little bit about what you're planning with Chef Louis. You're having a four-hands experience here in Dubai. He's from Singapore. We're going to be speaking to him later. You're sharing your kitchen. How are you feeling about that? That's very exciting. It's the four-hands dinner we're doing in Jumeirah al Kassaf and Shiviha. And, um, well, I've met uh, Chef Louis uh, back then in Singapore and uh, he has uh, lots of uh, French techniques mm -hmm. and modern... Uh, so he revisited uh, Korean traditional dishes with a uh, modern twist. And the twist is French and which copes very well with the uh, French and our concept. I'm so... Can you give us a little sneak peek? Maybe one dish we can expect from your collaboration? Well, from my side will be the, uh, the bouillabaisse, of course. Bringing it. And uh, what we did is um, he created the menu to have a harmony between every and single dish. So even go from the canapes, each one of them is like a journey. And dessert? Also. Tell me. And the mignardis. So the dessert, I will have the, I will let the joy to explain to Chef uh, Louis because it's here. Oh, you tease. For anyone that wants to come along, bookings, I hope, are now open for your four hands. Okay, amazing. Chef Kim, thank you so much for joining us in French Riviera. I'm going to let you get back to a very busy day at Gulf Food. Enjoy the demonstration. Mm. Thank and thank you, you much, so man. much, Chef. Really appreciate it. For anyone coming down to Gulf Food, I would say wear your stretchiest of trousers. There are absolute tastings galore. Some incredible chefs, some brilliant brands, but it's not just about the food. We're actually combining incredible ingredients with beauty now as we talk about Beautify, which I hope I'm saying right, but luckily Natalie Vasseau is with us, Honey Hole Sailor, to explain a little bit more about this incredible ingredient. I mean, honey we know historically has been really just integral to so many different cultures. Tell us a little bit about this because this is coming from Australia and I'll be honest, not somewhere I'm actually associated with honey. Tell us more. So Australia has beautiful honey and I'm actually from Western Australia so a lot of people think of Sydney, think of the opposite side of Australia, <laughs> that is where we're from. Keep going. <laughs> um, it's, and it's a very quiet, beautiful part of the world and we actually live in a biodiversity hotspot, one of 36 in the world and so we produce the cleanest honey in the world. There's absolutely zero chemical that touches our hives and we have these endemic species. So one of them is the jarrah tree, which produces this beautiful medicinal jarrah honey. Um, and from that, uh, Beautify produces beautiful skincare products that are so healthy you could eat them. And so I, I, I can want, see you sniffing I because can, I, wait, I just wait, did wait, a little we sample. Have a little, have a little <laughs> taste and then we put some... Well, well, tell us about the cream we just put on the back of my hand. It smells so fresh and citrusy and sweet as well. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely amazing. So this is 100% chemical-free, all-natural ingredients. And this is the light day moisturiser, and it's made with lemon myrtle, which is an Australian ingredient that is also in food, but also in skincare. So really, really fantastic for your skin for day wear. Tell us a little bit about, I guess, the certification and making sure that you know all the boxes are being ticked when it comes to, I guess, being being safe. You know, what's been happening behind the scenes in order to get it ready for market here in the UAE? So, Danny, who is the inspiration behind Beautify, she's um. Brazilian living in Australia and she has really has a health science background and switched over to produce these amazing products so she is absolutely passionate about ethical sustainable and everything and it's just at her complete being and she's a delight to be around oh. and so everything is just completely ethically sourced from Western Australia. I want to talk a little bit about this um, I guess the benefits inside and out because I've heard that this jarrah honey is even more powerful, for want of a better word, than manuka, which is kind of held up as being the gold standard. Is that true? It is true. So jarrah honey um, has some amazing um, beneficial effects for your body. So I think people have heard of the golden staph virus. This honey can kill that. It is an absolutely amazing natural product from nature. And so the antibiotic resistance going up and people really are learning a lot more about their gut health. Mm -hmm. This honey is absolutely fantastic for your body. And so it's great for your skin as well. So your inside and out comment is fantastic. That tell, tell us about amazing. the range 
finish there, Natalie, what's going to be, um, I guess, yeah, what's, what's up? We've had a little snip of the gorgeous day cream. What else is on offer as part of Beautify? So they have a beautiful honey cleanser, which is gorgeous for your skin and so it's not so too beady and beautiful if you're someone who spends a little bit of time outdoors we also have a beautiful like cleanser and day mask um, and so just a whole range of fabulous products for your skin that smell delicious make you feel relaxed sit in the tub put some <laughs> on and it feels like you've been on holiday for a week a hundred percent sold so how are you finding girl food so far oh it's absolutely amazing to be here in dubai the people are amazing so many cultures here and really Dubai is just a fantastic location it's a melting pot for the world and Gulf food should it's the perfect location for Gulf food I was food. going to say it's buzzing which was a bee pun and I'm not even <laughs> sorry about it um, we had a message going um, where can we find out more which was going to be my last question to you Nathalie so where, people, where can people find out more about the brand and it fingers crossed based on the next couple of days being available right here in the UAE. So we do have an online store and we do ship into the UAE so you can go to honeywholesale.com.au um, and we, we ship here, we can express ship to you but hopefully you'll see us in stores soon. Watch the space, that's what it's all about at Gulf Food. Thank you so much, I'm going to let you get back. I hope you're wearing your flat shoes. Definitely. Yeah, it's no joke, this place is enormous. Nothing. thank you so so much. If you want the details of that just send me the word honey and I will send you the link so you can find out more because as I said I've had a little I've had a little taste of the honey and I've had a smell of the product and absolutely gorgeous. We are here at Gulf Food at Dubai World Trade Center and it's safe to say the whole world is here represented from every every corner of the globe including Ireland and I'm so so happy to have us with us today we've got Siobhan Donnelly she is the CEO of Future Nutrition this is one of the brands that Board Beer which is the Irish food board is um, having a stand with so are you then surrounded by gorgeous Irish butter and Barry's tea Siobhan absolutely we're here on the Irish stand 13 other exhibitors have traveled over from Ireland to be here at this wonderful show it's, as, as you said, every country from the world is represented here. Every food, every drink, it is a paradise, a gastronomic delight. It is. It is. I mean, we've got beautiful ingredients. And we've also got products. Poonam just uh, just popped over with some chicken nuggets. Uh, it, is, it is truly all happening. Tell us a little bit about how important events like this are for you, obviously being based in Ireland. Yeah, well, as an Irish food business, you know, the island of Ireland is quite small and most of our business is export. So it's wonderful to be able to travel with the Irish Food Board to an event like this, be on a pavilion with other manufacturers and other like-minded businesses and yeah, you get to see the whole world. We get clients coming to visit from all around the region that we wouldn't actually get to see if we didn't come to this event essentially. And I think also there's a tangibility especially around food and ingredients and that trust factor as well and you know of course Covid was, was difficult in that sense when it came to travel and being able to showcase what it was all about and now I think it's safe to say we're back. Yes, uh, it's wonderful to be back, it's wonderful fantastic. to be travelling again and be out there and see all our lovely customers. I mean, really for us, it's all about health and well-being. That's the market that we're in. We've seen huge changes in, in the Dubai market over the last eight years since we've been in this region. Really? Yeah, there's a complete awareness now of things like protein and diets, vitamins, minerals, amino acids. I mean, you see collagen forming in a, in a lot of drinks. I just bought some this morning. There you Siobhan. go. That, that's, that is really fascinating that you can obviously see patterns emerging. Well, tell us then a little bit about Future Nutrition. What, what's, what's in the range and what needs are you looking to fulfill with, what, with the offering? I guess it's it's lovely to say we're a fourth generation family business set Goodness. up in Wexford. Yeah. When did it when did it start? In then? 1876, oh back in Wexford. Goodness. Yeah, in um, which is about an hour south of Dublin, um, and we were in all kinds of drinks. And then 12 years ago, we started looking at what called functional drinks, things like sugar tax coming in, mm -hmm. looking at like how do we get into the health and wellness market. So we started manufacturing, developing protein drinks, energy drinks, you said collagen, vitamins, amino acids, etc. And that market has grown significantly <sighs> over right. the last even five years. I mean, years. I think we can, we can firmly look at Instagram <laughs> for a reason. But and when we think about that young generation, a lot of people are alcohol free, placing a huge emphasis on their health and their 
you know, efficiency, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of energy. functional, their yep. energy as well. So in terms of, yeah, trends that you're identifying, what's doing really well internationally? And I want to hear a little bit more about here. Yeah, I mean, I think energy will always be here. Like, everybody needs energy, whether you're a, a working mom to, you know, doing school runs or you're busy in the office in the afternoon or whatever, everybody needs energy. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, not just tea and coffee and not just really high-powered caffeinated sugary drinks, something that's going to give you a little bit of energy but not a crash. So well, when you're interesting. There's a distinction there in terms of, I don't say being good for you rather than necessarily just being efficient. Does that make sense? Exactly, yeah. So if you put some B vitamins in with caffeine, that'll give you a little bit of an extra perk as well. Mm -hmm. You know, things like protein, if you put maybe B vitamins as well, or ginseng or amino acids, all of these formulations are, you know, give us a lift, but it's something good for us. It's not just a sugary crash diet. Yeah, right. not like my mid-afternoon really, Twix that yeah. I normally rely on for an energy yeah. boost. Yeah. So how did you then start to address the, a different market? You know, when you came to the UAE, how do you then identify what's going to resonate with the population here? Sometimes it's a bit of guess, guesswork. Mm -hmm. But also, it's when we come into a market, we do a lot of market intelligence. We put our shoes on and we walk the streets and we walk the, so shop, we walk the shops, essentially. Mm -hmm. We see what people are buying, what's trending, what's not. And then we formulate for the region. Oh, really? Essentially, yeah. I mean, we have pharmacists, nutritionists in-house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do all of that work ourselves. Um, and then we do all the manufacturing. So we'll, we'll kind of come and meet clients and then do what we call a blue sky with them and say, look, these are all ideas these might fit with your range yeah, these are the findings these are the findings you know if you're you know, might be working with say young adults young young upwardly mobile people yeah. who are but tech that, industry for example yeah, and it could also be a case of you know looking at different you know health data from the region you know, diabetes for example and you know some of the specific concerns that a city or a, or a region might have Absolutely. Um, can I ask you then, how does Boardbeer support you as a company when it comes to going into new markets such as the UAE? Yeah, so Boardbeer um, are a great Irish government company that work with brands and companies like ourselves. Mm -hmm. They bring us in market. So for example, they attend, they, they have a selection of trade fairs that they attend globally each year. And then you put an application in to go to certain trade fairs, whatever your, whatever your market is, and you essentially travel with them then to the show. Wow. And they do, you know, all the brochures, the, they set up the stand, they ship all the, the, your products over, they look after it end to end. So for, for companies, it's, it's a really big thing a big to actually stone. do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. So to come with the aid of an agency like Borbia, it really, really, it, it's very efficient and it really works. And um, we've had a question here from Pete saying, what about vegan? I hadn't even thought about that as in terms yeah. of, of plants. I don't, know, I don't even want to say a trend because it's not a trend. You know, it's, you know it's, a, it's a way of life for many people and it's certainly something a lot of people are looking to be more flexitarian, more yeah. you know, empowering themselves to find out more about it. What have you noticed in that space? The plant-based diet is, is huge. It's, it's only growing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. Um, we work with lots of plant-based ingredients and we formulate lots of different drinks you know, with, with plant-based in ingredients. But it's essentially, it's not really a trend, as you said. It's here to stay. Yeah. It's a healthy way of life. Uh, people just introduce it, you know, maybe as part of their diet. They may not be 100% plant-based. Yeah, or do a circuit breaker on meat and then, yep. you know, look at, look at gut health more in depth. Um, can I ask then, since you are called Future Nutrition, what are, you, what are you anticipating in terms of future trends internationally? You know, what kind of R&D are you doing behind the scenes that we might see, you know, on our shelves in years to come? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on, as you know, with gut health, plant-based, but also gaming is a huge industry at the moment. Go on. Um, so there's a, a lot, like, gaming is a billion-dollar industry. Um, so it's not just sitting on your PlayStation. There are a lot of huge international competitions, a lot of money at stake. Your esports. Yep, mm. your esports essentially, and that definitely is a huge growing market. They need energy. Yeah, that's so interesting because that, because I'm guessing we're talking about mental energy as well as perhaps being up for hours and hours and hours. Absolutely. How interesting. What kind of ingredients could benefit gamers then? So you know, there's leucine for eyes. Um, you know, the blue screen, um, things for protein as well, for strength, for your bones, um, energy, as we said. It's, it's like there's just, I suppose, 
anything that will give you stamina because mm -hmm. it is uh, an intense sport and you need to be in for the long haul. How interesting. There so you go. It's, you know, definitely, as I said, brain health is also another really important we all need it with one brain yes you know bring it on um, yeah <laughs> so we, we all need ingredients like that so it's look, there's, there's lots it's all about health well-being active lifestyle about staying as active and as healthy for as long as possible and that's what we all want eh? well thank you so much to hear a little bit about what's been happening behind the scenes you're heading back to Bobia now you're gonna hang around and see some of these amazing chefs in action I'll have a little walk around and then head back stretch your legs stand. absolutely and you're lovely to meet you guys and you and you thank you so much speaking to us from Future Nutrition CEO there gosh you wonder on Lee We're broadcasting live from Gulf Food today here at Dubai World Trade Center. It is on a scale never seen before. We are talking producers, chefs, companies from all over the world. And we're right next to Top Table. This is where some incredible chefs from right here in Dubai, but also the whole globe, are coming together for demonstrations, for tastings for us. And we're lucky enough to have stolen away a few of them for some chats this afternoon in conversation now with Chef Louis Han. He's here in Dubai for a special four-hand dinner with Chef Kim from French Riviera. His restaurant name has had two recognitions in the last Michelin Guide. He won Young Chef of the Year Award and scored a coveted Michelin star. The restaurant is an ode to the memories of his youth in South Korea and his work around the world, including here in the UAE. Chef Han, how are you today? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, really well. So nice, so nice to have stolen you away. I want to go back to growing up in Gangnam. Tell us a little bit about Gangnam and why it's so influential. I mean, we know it from the song, of course, but what was living there like? Uh, Gangnam is most happening city in Seoul, like or. A lot of younger people are traveling overseas and studying overseas, so they bring the culture inside the city. So they have a lot of mixed food mm -hmm. and uh, mixed culture there. So big trends. Yeah, big trends. Yeah, trends start from Gangnam. You had this upbringing and then traveled. You were with United Nations. You went to Lebanon. Tell us about the decision to have that before. I mean, you're only 33 years old. You've had a huge life already. Tell us about the UN. Uh, like I went there for national service and then I see very cool to be a United Nations soldier. Actually, I wanted to get badge from UN. So I applied there and initially I go there for cook for the soldiers. Really? Yes. You were the cook? Yes. What, 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 kind of, what did that teach you as a chef to be able in terms of challenges, resources, cooking for many? What did you learn? It's very challenging. It's no off day for like eight months. Mm. Like every day, wake up at 4 a.m., finish day at like 9 p.m., and wake up again. Because everyone needs to eat every day, right? So <laughs> someone have an off day, but I still need to cook, but I don't have an off day. But th this is the life of a chef, though. You know, when we're having a birthday or a celebration, you're the ones who are cooking for us so yes. we can have a great time. You then went to UAE and now in Singapore. Tell us a little bit about your goal when you opened Naum, tell us a little bit about who it's for. Uh, Naum is actually, uh, meaning is a uh, fragrance that evokes your memories. Mm -hmm. So we um, come up with a menu with my theme that I want to talk about. So some of after currently we're serving episode 4 which is we're talking about sunset in Hunt River. So I sitting down to watch sunset, I, my most favorite moment in Korea. So I come up with some picnic dishes in the fine dining towns. And episode three was like seaside dreams. I'm talking about my dreams in seaside. I go travel with my friends and families. And so it's all of these memories that are, are now on the plate. And it is really elevated, beautiful dishes. I mean, you just brought over something you just created at the top table next to us. Yeah, it was delicious. So thank you. Thank you. Tell us about what you, what you made today. Uh, today I made the uh, milsam, which is Korean-style crepes. Actually, it's very not common to try in the normal day. So if you go to some like very high-end Korean fine dining, they give some a lot of condiment with the one-off crepes, so you can make your own things. But today I make with our version of bulgogi, which is like uh, soy marinated beef and pickled bell pepper and wrap with the uh, Korean-style crepes and serve with the Osetra caviar and pine nut cream 
and pop quinoa. It was absolutely delicious, chef. Truly, Thank truly. Why do you think everyone's gone crazy for Korean? What's, what are some of the flavor profiles that you think has really got everyone excited? I think Korean food is very complex in flavors. So like people are enjoying that flavor now. Mm -hmm. And probably like they get interest from the or the Netflix or Korean TV show as well. <laughs> and the music. Yes. <laughs> now tell us a little bit about tomorrow night. You're going to be cooking there at French Riviera. We heard from Chef Camille. He was talking about some of the canapes. And I said, well, what about dessert? And he said, you'll have to ask Chef Han because Dessert is going to be you. What have you got in store for diners tomorrow? Oh, actually, the dessert is I inspired from my grandmother. So when she make the bean paste, she used the three components like charcoal mm -hmm. and then jujube, which is red dates and uh, multi greens. So like it's, I, it's, but it sounds savory. How are you making it? It's sweet? very savory dessert. Interesting. Like it's our signature dish. Like, people are really like it. Now, I have to ask a very selfish question. Is you coming here to Gulf Food and having this incredible experience with French Riviera, you checking out Dubai, maybe hoping to come here and open a Naomi or maybe another? If I have a chance. See, fingers crossed. <laughs> Chef Han, thank you so much for making time today. I'm going to let you get back to top table. Some incredible chefs here. Thank you for joining us this time. And I really hope tomorrow night goes well. It sounds like a hugely, hugely exciting menu. From the Dubai World Trade Center. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at the 28th edition of Gold Food, the largest annual F&B sourcing event in the world. We're meeting some of the tastemakers, the chefs, and we're stolen away from, uh, from the top table. Chef Michael Wilson, he's from Marguerite in Singapore, the proud owner of a Michelin star last year. And been just been on the stage talking about borderless cuisine. I'm intrigued what this is. We're going to be unpacking that a little bit. But first, Chef, I want to talk seasonality because it's something that obviously chefs are rightfully concerned and tuned into. But in a place like Dubai, apart from what we're growing here, it's, it's kind of a strange concept. What's it like in Singapore? And tell us a little bit about your philosophy around seasonality. Okay, yeah. Um, so in Singapore, it's no different to Dubai, really. Um, not a lot is specifically grown on the island in terms of the, what we're looking for in a restaurant like that. Mm -hmm. So we, a lot of ingredients are sourced from Europe. So in doing that, because it's a tasting menu restaurant, we follow the seasons. And then uh, we, we, just, we change the menu with those seasons. And what happens is when you follow a season you use something that's fresh, mm -hmm. uh, something that's, uh, that's um, at the height of its flavor. And, and when you put it all in a menu, it, the menu will be balanced. Can you give us some examples of how you, how you work with, um, let's use asparagus as an example. Because okay. me being English, that's, like, that's quite a big thing. It's like, it's asparagus, you know, and everyone gets, gets very excited. Yeah, I mean, um, so you're gonna eat it. In spring, you've got the green menu, right? Mm -hmm. So then like if, you, if you're eating like asparagus and then broad beans and then all of a sudden if someone dropped like, for example, like a heavy oxtail risotto on a menu, it would be out of balance, mm -hmm. right? Because with, a, with a, a, a restaurant with a menu like this, you, it's not just about one dish after another. It's from the start of the meal to the end of the meal. You're sort of conveying a message or an idea, mm -hmm. a concept. Some people get it, some people don't, that's okay. And that's okay, because it's, it's delicious and they just enjoy the food. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So then, are you? do you find yourself kind of falling in love with dishes that you don't want to let go when the season's over? Uh, or are you ready to say goodbye? My, my favorite <laughs> season is spring, by far. Um, and at the end of spring, and spring's always short, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you put lots of effort into it, then all of a sudden, like, you, you, you water peas and then they don't come and you're like, oh, oh. no. Right. And it's gone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it can be a bit shattering when that happens, but change is great. Change makes us makes us better. Well, it's a challenge as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's from a chef's point of view. Yeah, you exactly. know, What can we what can we do? And this is why we've seen so much kind of interest around you know foraging and pickling and you know doing things yeah, exactly. in, in somewhat different ways. And I know you know your restaurant Marguerite is inspired by nature, but you've got a garden as well. Yeah, so Marguerite's actually inside the Flower Dome Conservatory. So wow. uh, there's two conservatories. One's a cloud forest. One's a, one's the flower dome. So like, and How lucky like are you? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, I don't have to deal with the Singapore heat. You walk in and it, and it's a it's all microclimate. It's a microclimate. Yeah, it's all and it's a Mediterranean climate. Oh my goodness, it um, sounds like blissful. 
it is. It's, we actually uh, had to put heaters in the restaurant because it was too cold, especially when the sun goes down. So, like, like outdoor style heaters that you would see in like Australia, like a patio heater kind a of patio thing. Patio heater. Yeah, it's like a black bar. We had to install those over the tables on the garden bed because it got wow. too cold. Yeah. Oh wow! Do you know what? Thinking about that tasting menu and that seasonality, that must be great for your diners who have fallen in love with your food and can go back and have a different experience you know numerous times during the year yeah exactly right because like you get people come in and they're like oh my god i really enjoyed this when are you changing the menu and you're like when the season changes we'll when, change the when, menu. when the peas don't arrive <laughs> yeah okay? so you've been talking today about borderless cuisine yeah tell us a little bit more about that chef michaelson because this isn't a, isn't actually a term i'm familiar with at all okay so let's go back 20 years right I started working in the kitchen a bit over 20 years ago. And <laughs> <laughs> he said giving away absolutely nothing about his age. I'm 38, it's okay. Um, and You're a pup. Thanks. <laughs> and you, you used to a French restaurant, right? And especially you're from England, right? Mm-hmm. A French restaurant was a French restaurant, Italian was Italian, yep. Indian was Indian, British was, well, British. What? But now England's a great example, like modern British cuisine, right? Mm-hmm. This... this people that have come to England have brought their cuisines with them and then the world's smaller now mm-hmm. like people from England travel all the way to Australia and other places in Asia and all these experiences end up making up one's menu and one's idea well this is exactly it. it's 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 what it's the life that you've lived it's the lenses that you've seen it's yeah. the it's the people you've worked alongside with shoulder you know shoulder by shoulder in the exactly. kitchen yeah so how do you then if someone says to you you know sum up some of your foodie philosophy in a nutshell are you able to do that because you know, whether you, you've got this, obviously, Australian heritage, you're there in Singapore, you're traveling internationally. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, ah. As an Australian, it's a hard one for people to sometimes understand mm-hmm. what your cuisine is. But, like, it's pretty simple. It's like, okay, you, you pick the ingredients that you're going to use. Obviously, you know, you try to pick the best ingredients. If you can't elevate that ingredient, put it back. For Love me, that. that's, that's what it should be. If you can't elevate an ingredient, then you shouldn't be using it. What ingredient are you currently most excited about? Oh, uh, probably asparagus and morels. In a couple of weeks, they'll be coming in, I think. Watch this space. Um, <laughs> enjoy Dubai. It's Thank great you. to have you with us. Feel free to come over and start your very own microclimate here. It sounds fantastic. I'd love to. It's been a great time so far. Let's manifest it. Chef Michael, <laughs> in the meantime, where can people find out more about Marguerite on social media and check out you and your work? Yeah, Marguerite's on Marguerite on Instagram. Um, also, we're doing a dinner at uh, Armani Restaurante tomorrow with Chef Giovanni Papi. That'll be brilliant. Uh, beautiful people down at Armani really looked after us. Oh, good. Dream team. Well, great to have you with us. Go forth. Go cook. Get ready for tomorrow night. Chef Michael speaking to us from Marguerite in Singapore. It is afternoons with me, Helen Farmer, here at Gulf Food. From the Dubai World Trade Center. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at the 28th edition of Gulf Food, the largest annual F&B sourcing event in the world. We are live at Dubai World Trade Center this afternoon for Gulf Food. The world's biggest food fair is underway with some incredible names big talents as well and some incredible tastings tell you what lots of food going around We're talking now to the man who is behind perhaps the next generation of great new chefs and certainly elevating some of our home cooking as well Sanjay Raja is the director and CEO of ICCA Dubai somewhere that we spent some fond afternoons as part of Farmer's Kitchen teaching you how to cook some incredible dishes with some of our favorite chefs from right here in Dubai Sanjay thank you so much for being with us how are you Thank you for having me here. A pleasure to be here. Now, tell us a little bit, for anyone that's not familiar with ICCA, um, it's, it had, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a hidden gem to my mind because you trained some incredible chefs for home cooking but also going into five-star restaurants and hotels. What's it all about? All right. The ICC or the International Center for Culinary Arts is a technical vocational education training center in culinary arts and we train chefs for the industry. And uh, we've been here for about over 17 years. We are the first of its kind in the Middle East and we come the top 10 training centers in the world. And we have trained over 10,000 chefs for the industry and 86% of the hospitality brands in the UAE have hired from us. 
Now, what you do is obviously that training in the kitchens, and the kitchens are phenomenal, by the way. The, the, the equipment is absolutely unparalleled. It's, but it's not just about that theory. It's then the relationships you have with the F&B industry in Dubai and encouraging those placements and giving those young, and sometimes not so young, chefs an insight into what life could be like in the kitchen. Why do you feel like that's such an important element of the education? Well, uh, first thing, uh, when it comes to culinary arts, it's all about passion and perseverance, mm -hmm. performance, perfection. Most of all, you need patience <laughs> yes. okay, to make something happen. And at ICCA, we focus on experiential learning. So when you say talk about learning, it is not about trying to ram through a book, but it's basically living the experience. And that's what you know makes all the difference. And uh, that's what we call the ICCA way, because we guarantee 100% job placement. So if that's the case, it's the processes what we do have to be right because it's not that we are giving the jobs, it's the industry that's giving the jobs. Mm -hmm. It's very important that we do, do things right so that the students who come and learn from us, uh, they have, what do you say, a return on investment. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and that's what a vocational education training is all about and ought to be. Sanjay Raja is the director and CEO of ICCA Dubai. So tell us, what brings you to Gulf Food today, sir? What are you, uh, what are you working on? Who are you working with? Right, we've been strategic partners of the Dubai World Trade Center for a very long time, and uh, you know, and uh, uh, at the Gulf Food, we're actually doing not one, but we're doing five different features. Oh, okay. uh, first of all, we are basically curating the foodverse, the food in the metaverse. Okay, and we are right here at the top table, and my media team is covering, uh, you know, uh, the food photography because chefs make good food. And photography makes it great. Okay. <laughs> and you know so, what? There is nothing worse than bad food photography, but a good photo yeah, of some good yeah, food can keep, keep it, that selling going. It is all about the lighting. It's about the composition to get the essence out. So food photography is an art and it it's is. not for everybody. It is. It so is. that's what we specialize in just to complement what we do. And apart from that, uh, we also do what is very close to our heart, basically supporting the youth. Uh, the young chefs, so we're supporting the youth ex competition. So uh, we've been basically hosting competitions for uh, chefs in UAE, and uh, and uh, day after tomorrow we're going to see youth ex competition, uh, having our own UAE team uh, from uh, Sofitel uh, competing against teams from India, Thailand, and Singapore. Why do you think it's so important for children, teens, and yes, as adults as well, to have a taste of competition? What kind of pressure? Is it diamonds under pressure when it comes to cooking? Uh, oh, definitely, you, uh, you know, when you basically go through fire, you basically turn out to be gold. And that's what the facts are, <laughs> right? And having said that, I mean, you know, uh, competition is something so important. It actually basically brings the best out of you, mm -hmm. all right? And it is so many different dimensions involved, just not the knowledge or skills, but also to pre uh, to perform under pressure, and I mean, and that's what performance is all about. It is in the okay, kitchen, and that you know, makes all the difference. <laughs> yes. When you think about yeah. the hours, you know, the kitchen culture, bringing together people from all over the world. You know, it's um, it's it's undeniably a very pressurized environment. And some people absolutely thrive on it, and some people go, Do you know what? I love cooking, but perhaps the kitchen is too hot for me. <laughs> you know, when you love cooking, then when people are very passionate about cooking, then you need to basically also persevere. Okay, now this industry is not for the faint-hearted or easy ones because there's a lot of hard work. You know, and you know, when we train, we train them up to 16 hours, and that's what basically helps them sustain in the industry. So ICC per se is more like a, a boot camp in culinary arts. Mm -hmm. So they say more you basically uh, more you uh, you know sweat at peace, the less you bleed at war <laughs> and then the work outside. Um, but I think one of the big misconception is is if you go to a culinary school, if you do that training. The, your only job option is to be in that kitchen and that's absolutely not the case you know there's so many different jobs that can come as a result of training that you can have somewhere like ICCA you know you can get into you know R&D you can um, you know be an owner you can be a food consultant a stylist um, so when what kind of trends are you noticing when it comes to people signing up on the, your various courses? I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, you know in a training in a culinary school gives you, reinforces all the foundation and fundamentals. Mm -hmm. All right. And then it's the real artist in you. You can make so many different things. Okay. Today you can be a blogger, you can be a food photographer, you can basically, uh, you know, be an entrepreneur, you can be a professional. A lot can be done at food today. It's just not about chefs. Okay, it's just a medium, you know, and uh, you know, it's basically let's say going to a paint school, 
okay, learn all the tricks uh, and how to get everything right, but then the artist within you comes alive. Yes, so true. Let's talk about the future because that's a big part of Gulf Food. Um, this year we're looking at, as ever, innovations, what we could be eating in a few years, 10 years, 100 years. Um, virtual restaurants and food in the metaverse. What's your take, Sanjay? All right, okay. Now, uh, I could only say, uh, talk about my, my, my forte of expertise. Now, uh, you know, to go in the future, you need to go in the past. You need to have a strong foundations to basically leap in the future. So for 17 plus years, we've been only training. We're great trainers. So for us, uh, you know, metaverse, uh, is basically an all-new dimension. So what we call the foodverse, food in the metaverse for us is, first of all, to produce young chef for the industry uh, uh, by dropping prizes. When you're able to do learning in the metaverse, you can basically, uh, you can drop the prizes because, you know, uh, the, cost be uh, the cost basically become more effective. The second thing is, you know, uh, in the metaverse, thanks to blockchain, you can basically have validation. You can have quality, you can have consistent standardization. So that can be validated. So it is about integrity. So, you know, people, you could not fudge things, but it's basically real time real. Okay, and third is also a huge opportunity for chefs in the industry because they're all creators. Absolutely. Okay, and then they are, and to help actually support a creator economy, it's very important to give them a decentralized platform where they can blossom, where they can basically directly connect with the people. Okay, and there's no middlemen involved anymore, and that's what Metaverse is all going to be about. What about ingredients of the future? Is there, has that been a, a hot topic at this year's Gulf Food? Uh, of course, yes. I mean, uh, food will always remain food. We obviously, <laughs> let's not touch beyond the point. But then uh, when you're really talking about, let's say, your sensory perception, like maybe your smell, let be your taste. Okay, all of this basically going to play a big role in the metaverse. Thank you so much for your time. We've had a couple of messages actually asking for your details. Um, so if anyone does want to investigate some of the courses, and that can be you know, over the course of a couple of weeks, months, years at ICCA, what's the best way of finding out more, Sanjay? Right, we are not only in Dubai, we are in Abu Dhabi as well. So we are ICCA Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So uh, simply put, we deliver quality culinary education at the professional and personal levels. Can you help me who can burn toast and can barely boil an egg? Oh, definitely. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I believe you've been doing a good job in the school as well. I'm trying my best, but I tell you what, yeah. your teachers are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's time for them to come back again. Well, I would love to. I would yeah. love to. Sanjay Raja, thank you so, thank so you much. much. Thank Director you. and CEO of ICCA Dubai. Sustainable food not only delights people, it also delights our planet, so says Chef Peter Piel, who's joining us this afternoon. We're having a taste of Estonia ahead of spending the day on their stand tomorrow. Chef, lovely to have you with us. How are you today? How's Gulf Food treating you? Thank you. Uh, great to be here. First time in Dubai. Is it? Welcome! Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, now I'm intrigued. What were your... What were your preconceptions about Dubai and me. I know you haven't had much time to eat out. Not what yet, kind of uh, reputation do you think it has when it comes to food? Ooh, it seems really like a, like, a, like a city city jungle for me because <laughs> uh, and then the weather of course because uh, in this morning um, in my uh, hometown it was minus five <gasps> snowing Oh my and uh, it's completely a uh, different world to me. You're warming up yeah, here. Exactly. We're going to be learning more about Estonia on the show tomorrow, but I'd love to get a little flavor of where you grew up and who was cooking in your family, chef. I grew up, uh, I come from uh, in the biggest island in, in Estonia called uh, Sarama. And uh, I'm countryside guy, so it, it's quite logical to use everything uh, what we grow and and etc. Uh, etc. Et so um, and uh, yeah, the, the island, of course, it's uh, the biggest in Estonia, but in a, in a comparing in a world, it's it's small. But uh, who's cooking? Uh, it was uh, basically everyone who's who has a time, and uh, I don't have the nice story. I really take part of the cooking and really evening I cooked for my family I did but uh, mostly it was my mom of course and uh, what was she making oh it was uh, pretty pretty rough uh, farm food I would say uh, different stews uh, and as I mentioned we have to use everything but we have a lot of root veggies mm -hmm. 
and and it's very it's very uh, we have four season and it's um, our cuisine is is connected with of, of four season now is the roughest time in, in our our country because there is not much to growing outside so what would people be eating in in the, the first few months of the year Peter what what are some of the staples during this time uh, for example um, soon is uh, our, our independent day and and uh, before that we have uh, the really traditional thing is is a pea soup uh, with a smoked pork knuckle uh, that's the really really heavy soup that fills you up and, mm-hmm. and uh, then you can really <laughs> fight against the, the, the cold outside <laughs> but of course our kitchen has, has, uh, and the, our cuisine has moved nicely together with the, with the time and uh, it was it, it, that dish is reflecting what, how we Estonians have eaten uh, older time yeah, but now it's now we have uh, changed and uh, we're eating much much lighter of course and you've and you've really elevated the cuisine through your restaurant and we're going to hear a little bit more about kind of blending photography and food and creativity and art sustainability as you're saying just a, w- a way of life when you were growing up it was just simply a way of being cost effective it's just what you do exactly, the, yeah. the rest of the world now taking note for for practical reasons for I mean, hopeful, aspirational reasons for the planet as well, hoping it's not too late. But, I, you know, I, I wondered, you know, what sustainability really means to you because I feel like a lot of people have their own interpretation of that word and how it applies to their life. What does it mean to you in, in how you, you know, work with the kitchen, how you educate diners as well? Do people care enough, do you think? Yeah, of course we have to change the system. That's, that's really clear for us because the... Uh, the food system creates a lot of uh, the carbon uh, and, the, and the greenhouse uh, gases. Mm-hmm. That's that's r- really clear. Uh, but yeah, uh, I have run my restaurant now three years, and I still remember the first summer when we really start and and try to explain what sustainability is and why we're doing that, etc. It was really really rough summer and <laughs> it, it, it wasn't my dream opening a restaurant really Why? no 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 because we we get really it was taken so much energy from us to explain and because our restaurant is is uh, on the top floor or nice view and the people coming there wants to enjoy the evening and then they're asking okay but everything is nice but can we get like a classical caesar salad sushi stuff like that and you're and, saying mm. and we're saying not really guys can i explain what what we tried to create here but now after three years it has changed a lot now it's much much lighter and they really appreciating what we're doing it mm. is an education process and i think i always wonder about the order of events you know ch- you know what comes first the chicken or the egg what is it is it chefs then saying this is what I want to communicate to you. This is my philosophy. This is who I am. And waiting for the diner to be ready for that. And you know, often we've seen it the other way around. You know, looking at plant-based food, for example, and people coming in saying, "Actually, I'm vegan. What can the kitchen do for me?" And it becomes this kind of symbiotic relationship between diner and chef a lot of the time. Of course, it's it's all about the education. But um, one restaurant is a, as a business have to survive as well. Of course. And uh, lately I've read some articles uh, from Guardian, England. Mm-hmm. Many vegan restaurants is, is have to close because they don't have enough customer. It's, it's sad, sad news, but uh, that's how it is. So we have to find the balance between uh, we are not fully vegan. We, we keep yeah, focusing. Yeah, be inclusive. Ex- yeah. Exactly. We, we keep uh, focus for the... For the um, Uh, all the veggies Mm -hmm. and focusing for that of course we have protein as well because we we have to survive as a business and uh, our capital is is not so big like like a Dubai so uh, we have to find the balance and uh, but still you can uh, keep educate people I did a lot of workshops lately like uh, more than 20 schools going there uh, doing presentation give the food uh, sustainable food 
and uh, the younger generation they really appreciate they're into it and uh, it, it's good and it uh, seems like we have done something uh, right the, I hope it's they keeping it up and, and uh, following that road Now, when we talk about the future of food, it is often about out there ingredients, but there might be no future of food if we don't all start to address sustainability and the impact, how the way we dine, the way we eat, the way we order our food has on the planet. And speaking to us now from, I have to say, one, well, I think sounds like one of the most exciting restaurants around, Photographies uh, in Tallinn, Chef Peter Behel is joining us, and he is Estonian, we're going to be spending more time with your country people tomorrow, Chef, um, and I'm really excited to learn more about some of those ingredients and some of the, the trends, the flavour profiles, the production, the processes as well. Um, and Estonia really known as being one of the most sustainable countries, and I think probably not by design, it's just the way that you live and it's the way it's evolved but, but I, I wonder if there's a thing or ten that you could be teaching other countries about the way uh, the ways of your kitchen if you could you know make any wishes come true that you might have about the way that chefs create menus the way they plate the way they design their kitchen and concepts for the good of the planet without compromising on taste what do you wish everybody was doing yeah, you, that, that's good that you mentioned the taste because if you're serving the sustainable food for the people and the customers, they really think it's, it's, uh, it tastes different or it's like uh, underrated somehow. Mm -hmm. But it has to be the same, uh, same good as, as, let's say, normal food. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, that's why you can really do the changing of the people's minds, I think. And uh, one fish, fish, uh, fish, fish. Um, it I might mean, be something that you consider to be very normal, but other chefs go, "How? That's never going to work." I mean, it's it's all about the concept, of course. And you you set the concept, you follow that, and you really them uh, doing it good. I mean, that's the main thing. Um, Estonian cuisine is very based about uh, the products, uh, products. And, and the seasonality of course mm -hmm. and um, of course you, you're gonna taste some uh, things tomorrow and uh, I'm very proud about uh, about the Estonian uh, things and, and, and the food products of course but uh, what about some of the processes in the kitchens I've spoken in the past to chefs one restaurant in particular stands out a restaurant called uh, Silo in London yeah, and they they aim to be a, ki a kitchen with no bin no 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 trash how realistic is that, do you think, and how close are you to that? We work on it, but um, I mean, the, the processing the garbage and selecting the garbage and the quality, how you're doing it, that's, that's a really easy step, but really every kitchen, home, etc., uh, etc., et can, can start doing it. That's, that's the easiest way. But, of course, we have our own composter in the, in the house. Uh, it's the metal box, mm -hmm. and... Uh, the thing is, uh, there is uh, 110 degrees and 40 uh, humidity is 40 uh, degrees. So that's the that's the thing. But never happened in a, in a nature. Mm -hmm. And in a one uh, we add all uh, food leftovers what we have in the house, and we can't really use it or we don't know how to use it. We're gonna add uh, the leftovers in the composter, and with the one uh, night, the composter will. Uh, doing compost for us and every Thursday and Saturday when the veggie guy coming over we give back for the compost for him so that's kind of it's, the, it's the circular it's a circular thing and and that's uh, that's next big thing uh, what we really have to follow and uh, there is many steps but uh, there may be like a customers as you maybe one tip could be uh, make sure you understand where your ingredient comes from mm -hmm. what's the background how it's uh, is it organic what packaging uh, how it comes in a restaurant well, packaging is a really interesting one because you then need to do education not just of the diners but of the suppliers and say guys if you want to work with us you need to be addressing what you're bringing us the food in exactly it's it's, it's ongoing process for example we we have taken uh, special boxes uh, for the for the fish 
we sending them back not uh, instead of the styrofoam mm -hmm. what is really bad and, and stay still producing I really hope they're gonna ban that so soon mm -hmm. uh, yeah make sure you, you really understand where your ingredients come how they are growing the packaging transportation and uh, that's the easy first step what you can really do in a shop or in the restaurant to understand where your uh, food comes from is it like a uh, is it farm to table thing or is it coming from the south part of Argentina for example <laughs> what about how much we order and the impact on um, guess food waste it's another thing because uh, uh, if I'm going for the supermarket I feel sometimes the food is like a anonymous or, or I don't know where it comes from it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's there but for the every food there is like a seven or six uh, important thing to understand where it grows uh, packaging transportation producing uh, shop energy and if you waste that food it's it's all the parts what you really uh, doing the bad for the for the for the world and the economy it's it's like a you waste so much other things away like not not only the piece of yogurt or, or the piece of bread but you have to see the background for the brothers yeah, the, the growing of the wheat the transportation and then also when you think about food waste it's not necessarily obviously what goes from our plate but what's happened in that process as well from the storing and the transportation you know it goes all the way through and every every country has its its complications and I guess it's it's weak links in the chain um, but it's something that we all need to be tuned in as diners and over ordering I see it so much here and I have to say one positive to come out of the pandemic was we started seeing fewer buffets here in the UAE for obviously for for health reasons I wasn't mad about it I was like that's absolutely fine by me let's cut back on this and you know Ramadan around the corner where of course that that buffet that iftar is a really big part of the culture but some some chefs some restaurants looking at it a different way and saying this excess this waste is is not what it's all about you know this is something that we have got some control over and again it comes back to someone making a decision and people responding going actually this is this is actually what we want chef we run out of time thank you so much for joining us today it's been yeah, really fascinating for anyone who wants to find out a little bit more about the restaurant and the work you do, the dishes you serve, your philosophy. Is there Instagram we could have a look at or check out some of your work? It's, it's uh, Fotografiska Darling or my uh, first name and family name together in Instagram. So it's very easy to find. If, if you send if you send me the word sustainable, I will send you the link so you guys can check it out. Chef Peter, thank you thank so, you so much. Looking me. forward to hanging out at Taste Thanks. Estonia tomorrow. a tour all over the world we've been in Singapore Korea Australia Estonia and ending in Italy in conversation now with chef Giovanni Papi he is hailing from Sardinia he knew I hear that he wanted to be a chef when he was just 10 years old now the tender age of 34 he's got one of just three UAE restaurants to have ordered three toques as far as the Gourmet UAE guide and a Michelin star in the coveted guide's first ever edition in the city. So I guess I should say to you, Chef Johnny, congratulations. How does it feel? Thank you so much. Good afternoon, everyone. Do you know what? Every chef I speak to I just keep on talking about what a lovely, lovely man you are. You are clearly completely beloved by the chef community here in Dubai. So thank you for making time for us to speak with us today. I'm very glad. Now, you've got a little symbol of Michelin on your hand. I want to talk to you about awards because for we know having been in Dubai for for some time, what an incredible city this is for food. But it, I, to my mind, it's only felt like the last maybe two years that the world has started to take notice. How important was it for you to get that Michelin star and what did it mean to you and the team? It's a, uh, it's a very important um, goal because it's something, of course, we didn't expect it, but we really work every day. Our commitment every day in the kitchen is... Uh, is to have our guests leave the restaurant with a smile. Aww. So this is our first uh, recognition. It's very important. It sounds like a few Michelin inspectors left with a smile as well. And you know, for anyone who's not familiar, this is all completely anonymous. I mean, you've got no idea of who is coming in and when. We didn't even know because it was the first guide in terms of well, anything about, about the launch of it as well. Yes. 
for anyone who hasn't been lucky enough to dine at Armani Ristorante, tell us a little bit about your philosophy of the food and how that translates to the menu. Since I was a child, I was started cooking, and uh, all the experience around the world, they brought me here in Dubai, which I'm here from four years already. And I'm really happy to, uh, to prepare uh, my original culture, which is Italian cuisine, uh, 100% Italian cuisine, with, of course, with a modern twist. But all uh, um, our ingredients, uh, our menu, is, uh, is came from the Italian uh, traditional cuisine. So tell us about some of the flavour profiles and some of the dishes that you're most proud of. Proud of, uh, um, I, really have, I really love the aromatic herbs because uh, um, I feel uh, we need the green, I always imagine the green planet. Okay, so aromatic herbs is the ingredient that uh, he never is always present in our cuisine. As he has uh, olive oil or fresh pasta that we make every day in the restaurant. Um, so, yeah, uh, the commitment is a uh, uh, work on uh, using uh, the excess food, and we are of course against uh, food wastage. Uh, in our small commitment every day, uh, all the excess part uh, I don't like really call. Uh, wasted food, but excess food in excess, or, th- or things that people wouldn't normally think to put into to something. Put in here. Exactly. What, can you give us some examples of that? I know whether it is simple, like seafood bisque or stocks and things like that, or is it go beyond that? Exactly. Uh, we need to start from this because first of all, we need to respect the farmer, which they work behind to allow us to work with this ingredient. Mm-hmm. A second, um, a simple vegetable stock, as you mentioned, Helen. It can start from the stock, but after once we, the, the water, it takes all the flavor from the vegetable, is there that we need to create other food from the vegetable. And usually this is the uh, moment we think that is not, we don't need any more of this ingredient. But this, is, this ingredient, it really can give us other more inspiration to create exceptional food. I want you to make us hungry, Chef Giovanni. Tell me about some of the dishes on the menu that people are loving right now. Yes, Green Planet Risotto is a, is a risotto rice base. Uh, we made a kind of pesto, but we know chlorophylla. We extract the chlorophylla from di- 10 different kinds of aromatic herbs. We have sequence on that. So tarragon, basil, lie, dill, parsley, rucola, coriander, uh, dill, and the celery and all the wastage part of the leaves, which we cook in the end to give this flavor to the risotto. So we have green risotto, and really... And You're after a scientist. He's a scientist, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but How does really, it taste? It tastes uh, natural resource. It's really, it really tastes the herbs. So the herbs is the natural source. It's the really um, natural source and is very healthy, flavorful, and of course a rich of benefit for our health. And the planet as well. And the planet as well, yes. What about desserts? Please, please tell me, we've still got at least a nod to a tiramisu. <laughs> How are you interpreting some of the classics that you grew up with there at the Mani Ristorante? Interpret uh, the classic is mean respect always the original flavor. But we can play on the different presentation. Okay. So we have, of course, we do have tiramisu in our current okay, menu. Okay, I will come then. Yes. <laughs> and we respect the, uh, all the ingredients we use it, uh, but just presentation is different. So we advise the guests that, uh, yes, you will find the tiramisu flavor, but presentation we want to surprise. Oh, can you give us a little hint? <laughs> no, he's not going to. Not. Um, you are collaborating with a guest we had on earlier today, Chef Michael Wilson from Marguerite in, uh, in Singapore. Tell us a little bit about what you're planning. And this is for tomorrow night, is that right, Chef? It's tomorrow night. It's up on Tuesday on Armani Ristorante, uh, of course, inside the Armani Hotel Dubai, Burj Khalifa. And what's it like sharing your kitchen? And it's going to be a very great moment of sharing, of cooking, uh, because we meet Chef Michael just two days ago for the event. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So is everything been on, on Zooms and emails yes, till now? Yes, exactly. Chad sourced all the ingredients the Chef Michael needs uh, uh, for his personal cuisine. And uh, it was fun for us also to source to our supplier, local as well, especially mm-hmm. local. We find uh, a lot of uh, local ingredients that uh, we are very glad to use every day in our cuisine. Uh, tomorrow we will, it's going to be an eight-course set menu. Uh, we have so vitello tonnato from our, my side. Uh, What's so that? It, vitello tonnato is very traditional dish in Italy. Okay. But same, we're going to twist the presentation using the same ingredient, but uh, 
we're going to expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Yes. Um, it was interesting talking to Chef Michael about his passion for seasonality. And, you know, in, in Singapore, similar situation to, to here, you know, many, many of the things um, come from out of country, but we are seeing more local growing here in Dubai. How are you working with some of the farmers on, on some of the ingredients yeah. that you're using there? We're very happy to do, uh, for that, because we started already a few years ago mm -hmm. uh, to start to work with the local farmers and uh, support the local farm. The seasonality, of course, is, uh, is the secret it's not the secret, but it's one of the main ingredients of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So seasonality of ingredient is mean respect the, the planet and find more, more taste of the ingredient once it's the season. I want to talk about plating because I've heard you saying that Picasso inspires your platings. Are we going to see some creativity tomorrow night as ever? Yes, there is, the, there is heart, there is uh, memories from uh, childhood in the, in the menu, uh, there is uh, dreams. And there is, of course, uh, passion and taste. Well, it's been an honor to chat with you this afternoon, Chef Giovanni Papi, one of the most awarded chefs here in Dubai. Enjoy tomorrow night, enjoy Gulf food, and uh, I hope you have an absolute blast. Hope you get a chance to have a coffee as well, a little yes. espresso and a sit-down. <laughs> Chef Papi will be there tomorrow night collaborating with Chef Michael Wilson at the Mani Ristorante. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.